up only. 10, 9, ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, Welcome to Up Only TV. I'm Ledger. Today we've got Sam Tabasco from Alabama Research. On <laughs> We're looking forward to talking to him in just a second. Before we get to it, we need to let you know that this episode is brought to you by FTX. Go to uponly.tv slash FTX. Go there right now. You can make your first trade today. Swap directly from one asset to another. You can earn 5% interest past $10,000, 8% interest on your first $10,000 on any asset that you deposit to FTX. Check it out. Make your uh, limit orders there, uh, and Sam will fill them for you. Uh, <laughs> thanks to FTX for being our partners. Let's get to the episode. Kobe, how are you doing? I'm all right, mate. I, I giggled at your uh, intro, and then I realized quickly that we got some critical feedback on YouTube the other day that said... When you laugh, it's not necessary, and it ruins the show. So, uh, well, I just ruined the show somehow. You just ruined the show. We got. <laughs> so, uh, how would you do the introduction to our podcast if we were like a very serious um, mm. financial news podcast? Like, what would okay. you do? Would you like do the same thing? Yeah, let me go back to it. Hold on. All right, all right, all right. Hello, welcome to Up Only TV. My name is Brian Krogsgaard, here with Jordan Fish and a special guest from a market-making service that I don't know how to pronounce. We'll ask them how to do it. Thank you for being here, and thank you to FTX for being our exclusive partners on this and all episodes of... We'd like to issue a parental guidance. There may be expletives and a little bit of giggling throughout the show. Um, Hello, how are you? Sam, welcome to the show. How are you doing, mate? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'll try and I'll try and keep the laughter to a minimum. Just yeah, no jokes are not banned on this one. This one's yeah. fine. This is like people come to this po- this podcast thinking it's like, oh, I'm going to learn something. The whole point of it is you learn nothing. You get dumber as you listen to this podcast. So like we got we just got to like dumb it down as much as possible. Try and make people stupider. Um, just tell them the wrong shit. We'll ask you some questions. Just like lie, like <laughs> like make last up some time, bullshit. Last time I was here, I felt that I I think Kobe might be the richest world person in the entire world that like reads every YouTube comment for videos that he's on. <laughs> <laughs> It's because sometimes I log in and you, you know you got that notification and you click it and it's always an insult. It's never nice. Yeah. It's always just them being like, this is shit, I didn't like it. Um, so shout out to you, people are watching it even though you don't like it. Another episode for you to um, seethe throughout. Um, now, Sam, you've been on the show before, but it wasn't just you. It was you and a panel of uh, other degenerates. So thank you for coming back um, yeah. and spending time with us uh, one-on-one. And ever since... You got promoted, right? What? Yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, uh, co-CEO of Alameda now. Oh. Yeah, so you're the only guest that's come on that, like, their career didn't top as soon as they came on this <laughs> the show. <laughs> uh, Wait, what were you uh, before? I've done lots of research. Well, uh, we don't have a lot of titles. Uh-oh. Was that just, like, robotic garble to you? Yeah. Oh, was that? All right. That's, that's Sam's end, not mine. That's good. <laughs> Can you repeat your answer? Because your connection was very oh, bad. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
Uh, we don't have a lot of titles at Alameda, uh, so just a trader, I guess. But. Oh, okay. All right, and now you're co-CEO, so congratulations on your promotion. Um, last time we chatted, I think it was the absolute bottom um, of the crash. It was like the first, it was in mid-May maybe, it was like the big, um, the big crash had happened. And it was like, is it over? Are we all are we all going to die? Um, and since then, market action, we had like a long period of sort of miserable boredom. It was trying to sort of grind um, the happiness out of uh, any market participants. And then we've had a bit of relief over the last few um, last few weeks. Um, how have you? How did you trade that? How did Al made a position? Did you do well? Were you happy with your own performance? Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, on. Yeah, last time I talked to you guys, it was around the 30K, uh, like the, <clears throat> the drop of 30K. Uh, and I talked a lot about how I thought it was like quite predictable uh, that part of that was like at least going to revert at least a lot of the time, uh, such that like buying it was probably good in expected value. Uh, yeah, like the, the reasons for that, like I, like I talked about before, uh, like a lot of it was like liquidation driven, uh, such that like no one really wanted to sell down to 30 uh, and that sort of makes buying at 30, like, pretty predictably good. Um, and we did that, like, for, like, uh, quite large size. Uh, and uh, it's not really, like, it not really seemed uh, like there's been a especially opportune time to be, like, to not want that position on uh, in the past couple months. Uh, there's uh, a lot of the, like, a lot of the news that has been driving the markets uh, has been, like, uh at the very least, not bad, uh, like ranging from like not bad to like pretty good, uh, especially a lot of the U.S. regulatory stuff, uh, I think skews pretty positive, uh, especially like mostly insofar as like it wasn't negative, And that's kind of all that matters, in my opinion, uh, is that like the like the U.S. government is like treating crypto like in a pretty serious way, uh, which it, uh, in some ways it hasn't before. Uh, and as long as that's like not like a like. Elizabeth Warren swooping in to get rid of crypto, uh, which I think people sort of exaggerate. Like, no one's really doing that. Um, I think it's just been sort of pretty good. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the first time that it sort of seemed, like, likely to scale, in my opinion, was literally at 50K. Uh, uh, like, and that's really just a temporary round number effect that we sort of see, like, all the time. Uh, whenever there's sort of like a, a new round number that pops up, like we, the most strong example uh, in recent memory uh, was uh, like November with 20K. Uh, like it tested 20K a million times. Uh, and so like it was like very predictably good every time it got near 20K to like sell it and then buy back after it like sort of dipped down, um, even just a little bit. Uh, and uh, we saw it again just now with 50K. It got like a little bit above 50K, but I think it was like pretty predictable there was going to be resistance there. Uh, I don't think it's long-term resistance. I just think it's like a natural short-term thing, uh, which I think we have now seen uh, and is no longer like something I would predict. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's sort of what we've been doing lately. Um, and yeah, we've uh, done quite well to uh, getting along at the bottom, I guess, and sort of ne- not undoing it ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that makes sense. Every now and again, I might ask you to repeat it because your internet connection keeps dropping. But I got the majority of that, which was. Um... I can. We might just Sorry. do. Uh, if you want, we could do audio only, and I can put an Alabama Tabasco over your face. <laughs> okay. I think that was. Let me try something. Yeah, it was. Um, 
I like that uh, everyone in the you know the billionaire Sam's uh, like group have the worst like mics, the worst cameras, the worst internet connections. It's like you guys, you're like deck of billionaires. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, look at Ledger. His net worth's like two hundred dollars, and like look at his setup. Yeah, it's like yeah. glorious. He's got fiber internet. He's got a beautiful camera. Uh, he's got proper lighting. I spent like 80% of my net worth on this setup right here. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm all in on up only. <laughs> uh, the, um, the person who's like writing the YouTube comments, just think about them now. Like mm. the, the internet connection was terrible. This was clearly uh, Kobe's fault. And uh, <laughs> uh, this, is, this was the worst episode yet. They didn't let the guests talk. Guess. <laughs> yeah, they kept interrupting <laughs> they were, him. They were joking the whole time. <laughs> Hey, Cody, I think we should play a game. Uh, I right. should ask a question, and you should answer as if you're Sam. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hold on. But the, you need to fit... Wait, wait, yeah. where do I need to go he's, to be in the screen? He's he's rugged us completely. All right, I'm in the screen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so, Sam, when you said you would buy every coin under oh. 30,000... Oh, sorry. Sam, uh, we weren't doing anything, don't worry. I my networks. This might be better. <laughs> Okay. I think that potentially seems a little bit better. Yeah. I think uh you look clear. I can see I can see like your your beard now. Like I think the rest of the face. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you and Kyle um, switch places, that looks good too. Oh yeah, I'm on the left now. Yeah, now you're That's like, weird. yeah. You're staring like I'm just staring um, all right. So when before you jumped off to fix your connection, I was going to ask you, we've sort of hit this 50K resistance and, um, you know, people have started to post their complacency shoulder memes. I've seen a chart the other day that was just like Ethereum. It was a straight arrow down to 500. <laughs> it's like, it's like do, 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 straight to 500. Um, do you think it's a meme? Like, do you think it's in the range of uh, probable outcomes? Because I know you like to do a lot of uh, probability, probability weighted uh, potential futures. Um, yeah, I, def- I mean, like, like I said, uh, I think it was predictable that it would like, there'd be some resistance. Uh, I don't exactly think it's predictable, but there's going to be more resistance. I think we've kind of already seen the effect that, uh, I would kind of expect, uh, like if you just, uh, it's not the same thing. Uh, but if you look at what happened around Bitcoin 20 K, uh, in the winter, um, it, it's not like it like consistently went to 19.8 and then dropped to 12. That didn't happen. Uh, it went from it went from nineteen point eight to like eighteen point four, uh, and that's the that's the nature of the effect we've already seen. Like Bitcoin falling back down to forty seven is sort of sort of similar to that. Uh, so yeah, I definitely don't think uh, it makes sense to like expect Ethereum to drop to five hundred. That, that that's uh, I, I would buy it if it went to a thousand tomorrow. Uh, like for reference, uh, like and, and that, like that, that's not. Uh, Are you saying like, it's going to a thousand? <laughs> if it were to drop, quite, if any of the coins were to drop quite a lot, I just think there'd be like, like there'd be too much buy pressure uh, just based on where we've been recently. Like, no one's going to let these coins fall a ton uh, just because, like, do you yeah. think there's a case for? Oh, sorry for just uh, interrupting you to the YouTube commenter. No, I'm glad. Uh, do, you, <laughs> do you think there's a case? for bitcoin not making new highs this year and like spending the next four months consolidating or do you think new highs are inevitable for the end of the year if there continues to be good news i would expect crypto to keep going up uh but if they're in the absence of anything happening then 
uh, I could see it sort of just staying where it is. Uh, like I, um, my opinion's gotten a lot less strong uh, since, uh, like since it fell to thirty. Uh, like uh, my opinion was very strong there. It's a lot less strong now. Um, I do think that like. Like it get it getting up like Bitcoin very very quickly getting to sixty five or whatever it got to, uh, like I think obviously never made sense. Uh, like there it was so driven off of liquidations uh, that it was like very very likely to undo itself. Uh, the if you like if you're paying attention to like the open interest uh, of like the important contracts that tend to get liquidated, uh, and like where the like where the net flow is happening, uh, like in the rally to sixty five, it was really heavily in the contracts that get liquidated, uh, and that is like less true uh, on the current move from thirty to fifty. Um, so, I I don't have anywhere near the same uh, like opinion that like any highs will get undone this time, but uh, I also don't really have a strong opinion that it that it's like especially likely to go up a lot in the short term in the absence of like an organic impetus, like news. Yeah, that's quite interesting because I, I find that a lot of the time personally that I think like 80 to 85% of the time I don't have a strong opinion on what's going to happen and there are like these moments, maybe even more actually, and there's like maybe 5% of it whereas like I now know, like I have not, I obviously can't ever know, but I have such strong conviction. I've seen something in the past that makes me go and like, you know, the data and it's like I and I can go all in. And the rest of the time, I'm like, I don't fucking know, dude. <laughs> and I have a lot of friends who message me and be like, you know, you're good at this. What's going to happen in the next week? And I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Like, how do you position in those times? You just kind of like uh, go with like your, your opinion from a while ago and try and stay risk on, or do you try to go more neutral? Uh, yeah. Uh, so in, uh, there's a few things there. Uh, yeah. I'm the same way uh, where uh, like in the, I think that my like 10, uh, like, 10 strongest like tra- like opinions or like the 10 trades that I think are the best in a given year uh, sort of dwarf everything else. Uh, and a lot of what I'm trying to do is make sure that I identify those correctly. Uh, and like, I spend a lot of time like thinking about things that don't pan out uh, because they end up not being one of those 10 times. Um, and like, and that's fine. Like that means that unexpected value, uh, like my typical, like the typical uh, amount I'm making, even if you assume I do nothing else uh, besides try and identify those 10 times uh, is like uh, one out of 30 times, one of those times on a given day. And like, that still ten- like ends up being like quite valuable because those 10, those 10 days are like just important enough that uh, it's worth optimizing for. Uh, that said, uh, there's plenty of stuff Alameda uh, can do uh, when we're not like putting on some giant position like that. Uh, that. That's when we tend like our median day tends to focus a lot more on, what like I think what like you sort of guess about a quant trading firm uh, more ar- arbitrage based strategies um, or like short term like like one product gets out of line we trade the other side of it like things like that uh, that our bots are set up to do quite well uh, and yes yeah, so we focus a lot on that and like optimizing those things uh, on the days where we don't feel we can put on like a giant position uh, profitably uh, which is most days uh, and has been the case for most of the past few months when you say one product gets out of line and you take the other side of it does that mean you're the person dumping avalanche on me (laughs) (laughs) i more mean like uh, one uh, xrp future gets higher than all the others so we sell that one and hedge it very fast (laughs) got it that makes sense um Speaking of Avalanche, I saw some people spam, spamming uh, AVAX in the, in the comments, and um, I saw a tweet that said you were sort of heavily in 
in the ecosystem, like degen farming away. Um, and similar to how, as you did in like, I guess in the previous DeFi summers and, and stuff like that. Um, when you do these sort of new ecosystem plays, do you just see like high APYs and you go like, I'm going to absorb all that? Or um, what's your sort of thesis? Is it ever thesis driven around the chain itself, I guess? Um, yeah. So uh, like uh, there, there's a few things, a few kinds of things we'll do. Uh, uh, like, like first Alameda is uh, like above all else, uh, like a quant trading firm that has like a bunch of capital, uh, like some like set of skills and like a, like a tech setup or whatever. Uh, and its goal is just like use those things to make money where we can. Uh, and we sort of don't view like, like one thing we can do with our money, with our capital uh, is uh, uh, like use, use it for all of our like quant trading strategies and all of that. Uh, and we sort of have some idea of how much money we make uh, with our, like, every time we, like, add more capital to the strategies, we have some idea of how much money we're going to make from doing that. Uh, and we also have some idea of, like, every time there's a new DeFi platform that pops up, uh, we have some, like, we can sort of actually directly calculate, like, how much money are we going to make uh, by devoting capital to this instead. Uh, and uh, we sort of, like, our uh, a lot of what our process is, uh, like, as traders uh, and, like, other people at our, at our firm, uh, a lot of our process is like analyze all the things we could be doing with our money uh, and do the best ones. Uh, and uh, like, yeah, so this can be irrespective of like uh, whether we like think that a given project is good or like the future or anything like, you know, uh, so it, it's a lot of it's not thesis driven, uh, but some of it is uh, like sometimes we'll uh, devote capital to uh, some platform that is giving like some coin that we especially believe in as a, as a reward, even if it like mark to market isn't the most uh, like the best possible opportunity, uh, like marketing to market isn't always good. Uh, and this is where, this is where, uh, using a thesis driven investing can come up because uh, we sort of will adjust the, what we think the APY is for like, Oh, like we're going to hold this and it's probably, and we, we think the EV of holding it is like X that like maybe like triples the, uh, the value of this, uh, and makes it like, in fact, the best thing to do, even though it doesn't look it. Um, yeah. So I think uh, these things happen in concert, uh, and we're doing both of them. That makes a lot of sense. Can I ask an intimate working of Alameda question? Um, and it is, <laughs> it, it's not that intimate. Actually. I don't know why I said intimate. I just had got the word intimate in my head and I was like, I'm going to say intimate. But um, uh, when you do these things, like I'm, I'm imagining a dumbed down version when you've got like a spreadsheet and it's like, we'll make $8 billion if we do this today and we'll make 8.2 if we do this farming shit instead. And then someone's like, all right, we'll do the farming. Do you ever go back and look and go, on these days, we decided these things. And then you like look through everything and go, look. So our analyst, Dave, Dave's an idiot. He's got it wrong like 25 times in a row. Dave's out. <laughs> How do you do post-mortems when you get shit wrong? Uh, yeah, so I guess so one thing that's important to note, uh, it's hard, like if uh, something just goes awesome, it's hard to know that it was wrong, uh, like the thing to try to do. Um, like, like sometimes I decide to like post a capital uh, some uh, like in some DeFi platform. Maybe let's pretend it locks up, uh, and we so we get it out if we want it for something else. Uh, and uh, and like let so like and maybe we decide that because uh, the the APY we were getting beats like the median day. Uh, but it turns out that we accidentally locked it up on like the most important day of the year, and we would have made more uh, by keeping it elsewhere. Uh, like yes we like lost money to this decision uh that doesn't mean it was a bad decision uh it might uh and we like try and think about like oh like uh what, what's the probability going forward uh of uh of that like does that mean that the expected value is actually better to have keep it somewhere else uh 
Uh, and uh, like, so I, that's the kind of thing we do uh, try and optimize for. Uh, we don't really do it in a backward looking way. Uh, we, we're always trying to make the future better and not really care about what happened in the past. Uh, someone's make, like some make consistent mistakes, uh, then we'll try and their thought process doesn't work. And like, yeah, I guess like, you know, uh, you do what you gotta do, but that's not something we tend to have to do. Uh, we have a very high bar for hiring in general. <laughs> I'm going to translate your rugged Wi-Fi speak into what I heard for the viewers, uh, which was if someone has a few bad days, you talk to them about their thought process and like, then you fucking kill them. Um, which is, <laughs> that's, that's what I heard. Imagine how scary that would be. You've made, you've like done, a few uh a few really bad days in a row and you just get a meeting in your calendar it's like sam it's like 9 a.m sam wants to chat (laughs) for some reason other sam's there as well and you've just got to go to this meeting they're like what was your thought process and you're like well i really thought that the dog coin on uh, avalanche was going to do much better than it did i didn't realize they'd rug in six hours um yeah i think there's like an alpha filter uh you know like Sam has built an algorithm. Whenever he's going to leak too much alpha, it just like robots his, his voice so that we can't. <laughs> yeah. Can you understand me right now? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Okay, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. I tried turning off the video. Maybe that will. Yeah, we've replaced you with a. Yeah, we've replaced you with a bottle of. Uh, I guess Sorry. like uh, it's Alabama. Hot Great. Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm in a slightly weird place that I guess the Wi-Fi isn't, isn't perfect. <laughs> I think that statement was, I'm in a weird place and I think the Wi-Fi isn't perfect. <laughs> yeah. when, we'll just continue to translate for you for the rest of the thing and sometimes we'll get it wrong. It'll be fine. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I can, I'm going to try one more thing. <laughs> All right. While you're trying your thing, Legend, let's do the thing where you ask me a question and I'll pretend to be Sam. Uh, yeah. So, Sam, when you said you would buy every Bitcoin under $30,000 and mm-hmm. I did not long Bitcoin uh, when you said that, how stupid did you think I was in that moment? Uh, not any more stupid than I thought you were previously. <laughs> ah, yeah. That's <laughs> I, I, I like that. that. That was good. <laughs> you need to take the bottle off his face now, mate, because he's, he's got a bottle on his face. Legend, can you sort it out, mate? Uh, okay, I'm now I'm not using uh, not Wi-Fi, and I do think it is better. Yeah, LTE. Oh, God. All right, so... <laughs> yeah, uh, not any more stupid than I thought you were previously. That's a, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you got dunked on by Sam twice there, fake yeah. Sam and then real Sam. Yeah. Sorry, mate. <laughs> uh, another another criticism I got on YouTube was that I dunk on you too much, and I want people to know that in Britain it's how we show affection to one another. Um, instead of uh, like you know giving them a compliment, you just give them a little rib, and it's like a, a way of showing friendship. Um, yeah. Anyway, back to a highly professional broadcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. You um, have been doing a bunch of farming and you, you, you basically long the bottom. You've also been doing a bunch of farming in these ecosystems. The other trend that's been popping off a bunch recently has been NFTs. How yeah. does Alameda, like, do you sweep the floor of the pudgy penguins or are you like, are you allergic to it like I am? Yeah, this is one of those things where uh, 
I, I think I feel remarkably ill-equipped uh, to be handling the NFT craze. Uh, I do not understand. Like, I don't really understand uh, like uh, a lot of what's going on uh, with the NFTs, uh, and uh, like with, uh, with like when it's something like that, you can like sort of. Uh, like look at past examples of uh, and sort of like run some kind of studies at least uh, to try and understand a situation better. Uh, like you can do that with like, oh, like this is what happens when Bitcoin's like sort of near a local minimum or a local maximum. Uh, and like th- there exist previous examples of this. There's like data you can use. Uh, I have no data for understanding like, oh, Pudgy Penguins was going to take off. <laughs> do you have uh, a Pudgy Penguin? Uh, I, I don't know if I should commit to a yes or no. Like people are gonna, like people really come for me on Twitter uh, about Somebody's like whether or not I own a wallet with things. a penguin in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like the like if you presented me with like five uh, NFT projects and told me like oh one of these is gonna take off uh, like next week, uh, like I would just have no idea. Uh, which of them was correct uh, to which, like? Which, like it, it, it doesn't matter any of the features of them. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So as this has sort of started evolving, uh, honestly, it's kind of like there are elements of it that kind of remind me of uh, of Doge in January, uh, where uh, like yeah, it's like unclear if it's going to take off, uh, but like the upside probably is like quite high, and the downside is just you like lose whatever you put into it. Uh, and so, like, I think it's fairly plausible that it's, like, generally correct to buy most of these things. I'm not sure. I haven't, like, this is just an instinct thing, and I don't know. Uh, but it's, like, pretty plausible that, like, th- these things are just, like, having way too high upside. Or not way too high upside, but, like, very high upside. I think what uh, you're saying like, is they will buy every pudgy penguin under two. <laughs> <laughs> After they've already taken off, it's, like, less appealing. Uh, but, like, the new pro- like the new ones that haven't taken off yet, like, I think it's, like worth thinking about buying almost anything like the the the, the, the rocks the rocks really got me <laughs> like were you like you bought a rock or like they fucked with your head like i don't get it <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> like i honestly i do not understand what's going on with the rocks <laughs> <laughs> oh my god alameda are coping just like me <laughs> Yeah, th- this is now the rocks. We didn't nail. We, we have not nailed NFTs just, uh, to this point. Uh, I will admit Look, that. Pr- I can give you the <laughs> NFT. The NFT alpha is you follow Bob Laxative and you just do whatever he says. <laughs> he he texts me and he was like, "Get a dino quick. There's only a hundred dinos." I bought a dino. It's up like twenty x instantly. Just follow yeah. Bob Laxative. Do whatever he says. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's there's a lot I need to I need to understand better about this. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, All right, so you didn't didn't participate in the NFT trend. Um, do you have well, exposure that's not exactly to? Exactly what I said. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So he does own the penguins. I think he's got all the penguins. He's the developer a, of the penguins. I think that was an Axie Infinity comment. <laughs> uh, no, no, no confirmation or denial. <laughs> <laughs> Sam actually uh, bought an entire town in a third world country, and they're just all playing Axies all day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. So that, that could potentially actually be true. I heard people. I mean, I kind um, of like the ones that feel like they involve effort, but the rocks, man, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand the drama. What's going on with the rocks? Because there was the rocks, yeah, and then there was the rocks that are the other way around. Um, 
like some that look left and some that look right and then there was one of them got exploited so you could like steal the rock from someone's wallet or something uh, <laughs> uh, i saw like on the third line of the source code of the rocks that people were paying half a million dollars for it was like this is a newer contract the older contract is here and so now there's like a hundred more rocks that are older than the hundred rocks that everyone paid so much oh money wow for. so if you bought the rock the good the trending rocks you got rugged because it was older rocks i don't know i haven't really followed it i'm just you know talking with no facts to a few thousand people so um, yeah like this um, sound, doesn't this all sound fake <laughs> <laughs> well i can make it sound more weird the producer of the movie uncut gems owns a rock and he messaged me saying can you put me in touch with the rock guy because i want to <laughs> do a special edition rock which is an uncut gem wow and then the next day, there was a project on OpenSea called Uncut Gems, which are just the rocks, but gems. And he messaged me being like, is this you? And I was like, no. <laughs> Why would I fucking make this rogue fucking Uncut Gems project if you messaged me about it? So, um, yeah. yeah. Look, the rocks, it's trendy. Rocks are trendy, mate. They're just, it's stupidity. It, do, the, the, thing that I, the thing that I think is most important to reflect on about the rocks is you've got to track back economic policy decisions throughout history but like they've created this moment you know that meme where there's all the dominoes and there's someone with a really tiny one and there's a big one falling over at the end at some point people's decisions from government um like world governments and their economic policy decisions have led to this reality where we all sit around and speculate on rocks so there's a gigantic wealth divide where there are some people that can't make ends meet and on the other end there are people with so much money that they're speculating on like left and right rocks something's gone wrong in the world yeah, that seems, uh, it's not a great look for, <laughs> for I think, almost anyone. Uh, but this is, like, an important part of, uh, an important part of the crypto markets right now. Uh, but, like, I, like, again, I don't understand this. More power to anyone who feels that their life has been improved by, <laughs> by this. Have you seen the scissors yet? Because there's rock, paper, and scissors now. Oh. Um <laughs> <laughs> See, I can't tell if you're kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm, that's that's real. And I, think, um, I think the floor will... on uh, on scissors is only three or four ETH. You know, so it's a bargain comparatively. Maybe yeah. <laughs> comparatively to what the rocks? Yeah. All right, because comparatively to everything else in life, it's <laughs> a fucking waste of money. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this, oh. like yeah, on some level, like this, this real like buying these NFTs, one if like if they have like even like some remote chance of uh, exploding, uh, this like is plus EV, uh, like depending on uh, depending on what the numbers end up being, uh, and like how long you expect this uh, this craze to go on. Like I do expect that this has to end at some point, or uh, not end exactly, but like probably dissipate to some extent. Um, and yeah, so if you expect that it's going to go on for like long enough, then uh, it can become correct to sort of like put money into any new project if you think that it's like not just like a scam or whatever. Um, and yeah, that, that's something that we're, like, we've been thinking a decent amount about. When y'all do your like quantitative analysis, do you include any like social signaling in the way that you analyze things, or is it purely based off of you know what you actually see and flows and pricing and stuff? Uh, it sort of depends. Like for for normal trading, uh, it uh, tends to be uh, much much more dependent on like like yeah like price history, uh, 
like the open interest data, you can have access to other other more traditional data sets. Uh, but uh, like over time, uh, it, like we have started thinking more about uh, these like more idiosyncratic signals, uh, like Elon tweeting, uh, other other people tweeting, like sort of just like any news is kind of along this uh, along this vein, and that's that that's a more traditional thing too. Um, but yeah, we've been like. Uh, as these projects that sort of do seem driven by like community support uh, or something similar to like whatever's driving the NFT craze, uh, like all those effects uh, are like feel more idiosyncratic and not data driven at all. Uh, and that's something we've been trying to get better at. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, not a strength of ours. Uh, we're trying to improve at it though. That's interesting. Um, so if you go back to sort of the bigger picture and um, the the macro markets and how you're um, trading them, how much do options come into, um, like how, how often are you using them? How often are you using them in like part of your portfolio and, and, yeah. and part of your positioning? Yeah, so I think people uh, like, this is a uh, pretty... Uh, pretty common thing where I think people really overstate the importance of options to the crypto markets. Um, the like they're sort of just not popular enough uh, to have to have any kind of real impacts uh, on like on like spot prices, for instance. Um, let's just like just restricting to Bitcoin for a minute because like there really aren't a lot like there aren't uh, there aren't options on other uh, on other coins that have like any significant kind of open interest uh, on them. Uh, but even Bitcoin. Uh, the like the open interest uh, of the contracts that are uh, that are like still open at the time they expire, for instance, it's just like dwarfed by the daily volume on like every futures platform uh, that has Bitcoin futures on them. Uh, and the way that options can influence prices, like in traditional markets, for instance, I and mean, there's a few ways, uh, but like a big way uh, is that uh, you sort of like imagine that whoever like has the contracts open uh, is like like. Like maybe I buy a bunch of calls uh, and they become in the money uh, by the time expiration happens. Uh, meaning it's like maybe I bought calls, like 30K calls before, uh, when it was below 30K that, that expired like around now. And now uh, those calls are quite in the money. Uh, so now they basically function as a Bitcoin uh, because I, I'm going to get to buy a Bitcoin for 30K. Obviously, I'm going to ex- like I'm going to do that. Uh, and so now I just sort of have a Bitcoin. Uh and like in the traditional markets, uh, something that you'll see a lot of uh, as expiration happens uh, is that people will have to like people will end up like hedging in the markets. Uh, so like someone was short that call, uh, like when uh, when the when the option expires, uh, they're not going to be short the Bitcoin anymore. So they're going to buy a Bitcoin. Uh, and you can imagine someone on the other side might do the opposite. Uh, I think that like this just doesn't happen in the crypto markets. Uh, like the people who are putting on these big positions in, in the options, uh, like, aren't doing that. Uh, you can, uh, uh, as, as opposed to the, in the futures markets in crypto, where people do hedge their exposure during expiration, people aren't hedging the options very much. Uh, and even if they were, the, the open interest just isn't high enough to matter. Um, so, yeah, so, like, this effect doesn't really have any, any real interplay with the actual pricing of Bitcoin. Very rarely you can see something that, like, kind of looks like it's options-related, but it's just, like, quite rare. People talk about maximum pain point for options. Uh, this is, again, sort of meaningless uh, because of how little open interest there is uh, relative to volume. Um, and, like, people also, like, uh, ignore that, like, oh, like, there's, like, all these options that had strike 40K, the price 50K. That means something one directional is going to happen. But every for every long position, there's also a short position. 
uh, that like should in theory be doing the opposite of whatever you're claiming. Uh, so yeah, like the, these uh, the options flows just really don't have much of an impact, uh, and I've, I I'm sort of baffled why people on Twitter talk about it so much. To be honest, narrative reinforcement, mate. If they're bullish, they've got to post the na- whatever whatever reinforces the narrative, so they can post more bullish tweets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I, I guess that is basically what's going on. Um, like I, I would be really excited if op- it, like as options. Uh, grow in the like in the ecosystem for like this will become more relevant uh, over time uh that's it like this is sort of exactly what happened in traditional finance like for a while options didn't exist and they became more popular and now they like uh, options expertise like drives like very large price movement uh in in every market in the world uh, and that will happen in, in crypto but it hasn't yet that makes sense and i i want to ask a couple more questions about um alan Mader. uh like how big's the team if you're allowed to say like are you like a unit of like six people and you sit in a boardroom together and manipulate the markets or <laughs> are you a team of like 200 uh, and you issue orders to people based on their worker id number 57 get out of here you're fucking fired right. <laughs> yeah uh, so for a while uh it was uh, uh minus the, the the market manipulation part <laughs> it was uh, closer to closer to being what you said the, the, the first thing you said uh like yeah, for a while our team was quite small. Uh, we had like a dev, uh, we had uh, like four-ish traders on average, uh, and like some like uh, OTC and settlement people, uh, and that was sort of how we existed through maybe like 2019. Uh, that was like a very rough period because uh, we were maintaining 24/7 coverage, uh, and yeah, that was a, a difficult part of my life uh, to say the least. <laughs> uh, then a, a, a switch sort of a switch sort of flipped at some point. Uh, and hiring got a lot easier for us. <clears throat> uh, like that sort of coincides with our reputation getting better. Uh, and yeah, so now our team's grown to about 30 people. Uh, there's like, yeah, I think we have like 10-ish traders now, uh, like a legitimate dev team, uh, like legitimate settlement, OTC teams, all that. Um, and yeah, so now uh, now people can be a lot more specialized. That used to be the case that like everyone was kind of doing sort of whatever popped up. Uh, now, yeah, now we can like actually focus on what we're good at, uh, to a much greater extent, uh, which has been really nice. Um, and like, we're, there's, we're still like kind of generalists, uh, to like, to some extent, just because like, we're still doing 24, 24 seven coverage. Uh, and like, if something pops up when like the person who usually does it, isn't there, like someone's still got to do it. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I can focus a lot more of my time on like the, these like sort of gaming type decisions, uh, that, that like I like doing and I'm good at. Uh, other people can focus more on like running the studies uh, that uh, that like dictate a lot of like what we're doing on the median day, um, and like yeah, everyone can just sort of fill in where they uh, where they are the most suited to and what they like doing the best. How do you and your co CEO balance the co CEO role? Uh, yeah, we have very different strengths uh, and focuses uh, for the most part. Um, like yeah, I've like uh, uh, it, it's sort of an organic thing uh, where. Uh, we nothing really changed uh, when we changed titles. Uh, like she and I have been around the longest. Uh, we sort of uh, like like make like broad strategy decisions together. Uh, she'll take the lead on like like the minutiae of our models. Uh, I take the lead on like what of like what should our Bitcoin position be this month? Uh, things like that. Uh, and like pretty much uh, like all big decisions. Uh, like we'll like either work together on or like sort of his natural uh, who should be doing uh, for what it's worth. Uh, that's also true. Like more broadly, uh, we don't like like it's uh, pe- people like preach about like oh like our company is not hierarchical, but like ours really isn't. Uh, 
like if someone is the correct person to make decisions, like we'll default to them sort of just in, uh, without even talking about it. Like, it's not like, oh, like we're choosing to default to you. Uh, it just sort of like goes to them uh, and the bills do it. And we want people to like sort of step up and do whatever they're best at. Um, yeah, so it's, it's sort of been natural and organic, uh, but for really important things, we talk about it together. Oh, we also live together in Hong Kong. Uh, we're pretty good friends, <laughs> so it's pretty easy. <laughs> There should be a documentary about that. But if you, sorry, Ledger, you can ask your question, but I got a really important one. Um, if you both took a standardized IQ test, which I know is not the uh, measure of all intelligence, I know it's very different forms of intelligence, but if you and the co CEO took a standardized IQ test, who would win? Um, I've never actually looked at an IQ test before. Uh, like, Just imagine I, I what it both- might be. So I, I took the I took a Mensa test once and it was very easy. We would both get a hundred on that. Um, uh, she's better at trivia than I am. Uh, we've had, this has actually come up a few times recently. Uh, some, uh, one of our uh, OTC counterparties uh, uh, sort of like devises these quizzes, uh, these like trivia quizzes and gives them to us. Uh, ostensibly the goal uh, is to... Uh, there's someone else on our team and he's trying to make him get a zero and us and me and Caroline get a 10 out of 10 on it. Like, so he's trying to divide, like sort of isolate his gaps in knowledge. Uh, but uh, I scored very badly on the most recent one. I think I got a three and she got like an eight. Uh, so yeah, she's better at trivia than I am at the release. But I beat her at math competitions in high school. Wow. All right. So you'd probably win the IQ test as well then. Sorry, that I interrupted you to, with my nonsense question. That was for Flav T, who doesn't like our show. Uh, <laughs> what's your very serious question? Uh, I think my question around like how y'all make decisions is conflict resolution, because it sounds like it's not completely automated. Like You use automated strategies and algorithms and stuff to inform your decision making, but at the end of the day, like somebody's pulling the trigger. Do you... Uh, pick one and let that kind of override the broad narrative or will you let people like roll simultaneously in conflict with different buckets yeah. of money or how do you approach that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's something that we've uh, like for a while didn't come up for us uh, just because of how small our team was and uh, like the fact that like often there was just one person in uh, at a time. Um, it's come up more often recently uh, and uh, something that I think fairly strongly uh, is that like once you like hire people uh, who you who you trust and like th- have trained them and like just sort of believe that they're making good decisions on average, uh, I think that like when these like conflicting ideas of what our plans should be pop up, uh, the most important thing uh, is that we pick one and sort of just stick with it. Uh, like th- a very dangerous thing might be like oh like maybe I may- maybe like like let's pretend me and one other person are alternating being in charge of like what we're doing. Uh, and I generally think we should buy and they generally think we should sell. Uh, and maybe every time I'm in the office, I buy a lot. And every time they are, they sell a lot. <laughs> this is like obviously very bad. Uh, like, at, like we're sort of just going to pay execution costs both ways uh, a bunch of times uh, and probably not be isolating any sort of like actual positive EV. Um, uh, even if like, even if it's only like 20% of our plans that conflicted, uh, like, if, like that 20% is just going to be really bad if we both try and do it, uh, like alternating. Uh, and like, this is, that's an extreme example. Uh, but you can imagine a similar, a similar bad effect happening, uh, like whenever something like that's going on. Uh, so I tend to think that as long as, uh, like the people who are hiring, uh, are good on average, uh, it like is better if we just pick one of those plans and do it, even if it's not mine. Uh, and yeah, so what we tend to do, uh, is like whoever's, uh, like if someone feels very strongly about something, uh, they'll like 
uh, like, we'll tend to just let them do it uh, unless, like, like it's, it's fairly rare that we have, like, a truly unbreakable uh, situation where, like, two people feel really strongly about something uh, and, like, can't convince each other either way. Uh, that's actually, I think, maybe literally never happened about something really important. Um, and I think that if it were to happen, yeah, we'd probably just, like, like maybe even literally coin flip about it uh, if, uh, if like, other, other people didn't feel strongly one way or the other. Um, like, because, like, a, in general, uh, yeah, like, if, it's, if we truly are in a situation where it's, like, impossible to decide, uh, like, everyone's split down the middle, probably doesn't matter either way. Like, probably, like, all of us are reasonable enough that, like, it's really unlikely that, one, like, if we're at a literal stalemate with a bunch of smart people who understand this space very well, it's probably the case that like both both decisions make sense uh, and it, it doesn't matter a ton and if i'm a person watching this um and i'm going i want to work at alameda now sounds fun they let people have a bunch of personal autonomy um everyone there's really smart and stuff um like a like are you hiring and how do you get a job at alameda and b have you ever hired a, an anon uh, animal from twitter uh, we are always sort of hiring uh, insofar as like uh, if we like are very excited about someone uh, it doesn't really matter if we're like looking for a specific role we just kind of want to hire people who are really good um, and you can always reach out to us uh, at our like there's contact info on our website uh, about that um, whether we've hired uh, some like oh, I don't think we've hired any anons from Twitter uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked uh, there's there, there's some roles that I don't have a ton to do with the hiring of uh, we certainly had them reach out. <laughs> I've been trying to figure out who OX Tuba is for ages. We've been trying to dox Tuba. I'm like, maybe, maybe Tuba works at Alameda. Who knows? Um, so, and what about, I'm not privy to it, but... <laughs> yeah, maybe you are Tuba. Maybe you're Tuba and we're not knowing. Um, someone in chat just said, ask about internships too. Do you ever do internships or is it just too much effort for the amount of responsibility someone would need, need to have? Uh, yeah, so uh, it, it tends to be the case that like, we don't, like, for the first couple months someone works for us, maybe on average, like, a couple months, uh, we don't think that they're, like, we think they're probably net taking away value uh, because, uh, like, you're not, like, obviously, like, day one, it's unlikely that you're adding value. Uh, and But you are taking up someone's time teaching you stuff. Uh, and that becomes less true over time. Eventually, like, the people who stick around uh, are adding value, of course. That's why they're sticking around. Uh, but, like, like, that sort of happens at some point in the future, not right away. Uh, and so we generally don't hire people who we think we're going to have to train and then they're going to leave before they've added any value. Um, so we're open to hiring people uh, who we're, we're generally only open to hiring people where like the path is like they're going to like if, if it's going well, they're going to stay. Uh, we don't want people who are going to stay for a month and leave. Have you seen That's any- no to the interns. Interns just got dumped on. Yeah, no interns. <laughs> uh <laughs> Have you seen any of the debates recently where people talk about like base pay at different firms and then like profit sharing structures and some of that stuff? Like how do y'all incentivize people to stick around? Uh, and like, what's the demand like for getting really talented people to, to work with you? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I have seen some of that. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, I haven't uh, dug it too deep into the numbers. Uh, a lot of what we try to compare ourselves to uh, is uh, more of the traditional, uh, like, quant trading firm uh, structure, uh, where, like, in general, like, if you're, like, a trader uh, at, like, 
a traditional firm, uh, you don't have a great picture into what like the firm's P&L is or anything. Uh, a lot of that is kept kept kind of close to the chest uh, or close to the vest, whatever the expression is. Um, uh, and yeah, like the average trader doesn't really have a ton of like, a lot of insight into that. Uh, like often your P&L will be like sort of a function of like, oh, like what, what your like small team made uh, over the period, uh, sort of what your manager thinks of you and all that. Uh, and uh, and like given that we like in general, uh, like all of our traders have experience at those firms uh, and like all of our leadership has like it like, comes directly from trader like uh, from being traders at those firms. Uh, we basically understand like how much money people make there. Uh, like if you're like really good, if you're average or whatever. Uh, and so we're like, uh, an explicit goal is basically beat that, <laughs> uh, uh, like by a decent amount, uh, just because like, those are the kind of people who we really want to hire. Uh, we want people like that, uh, who are going to be, who like have experience trading, uh, like doing the kind of trading we're doing in a different field. Um, just cause like that minimizes, uh, the period of time during which people are uh, not adding value, uh, because they, we don't have to teach them the trading mindset. We just have to teach them like, here's how you use our system. Um, and yeah, so like that's the thing we, we feel we're most directly competing with. Um, and yeah, we haven't had a lot of trouble doing that like, uh, in that competition. Uh, it turns out the crypto markets are pretty, pretty good uh, for, uh, for people like us. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, and I, I like, num- yeah, I, t- I tend to think that we're d- doing quite well here. Uh, and we're also just more like we can't really hide a lot of the kinds of things that some firms can from our employees like people who are working for us as traders like know basically what what we're making or at least they could if they like thought about it for an hour um and we also need to be like making sure that the relationship between what people were paying people and that number uh is like palatable for people um which we i think we we do fairly successfully that makes uh that makes sense how much like do you have people from like trad finance backgrounds always hitting you up being like i'm starting my own little alameda mate like do you <laughs> want to give me some tips and like do you see like a, a sort of a exodus from trad finance and people wanting to get into crypto now um that everything's super trendy and stuff it's gotten more popular for sure uh like this is the exact uh like this is the kind of thing that i uh, did uh in like five years ago or whatever um just sort of like uh understand like s- sort of see these features of this market uh, they're kind of crazy um, and like, it's, it's evolving. Uh, and so I think the market's gotten a little less crazy. Like the, the sort of things that drew me into trading crypto, uh, were like seeing like big arbs between GDAX or oh, GDAX at the time, not now Coinbase, uh, and, uh, and like Bitfinex. And these are two exchanges I could trade on like with spot and like lock in a 1% arb on like real size. Uh, and like, after I tried that once, I was like, Oh, like I can't, I have to quit, right? <laughs> uh, and that kind of thing is like the kind of opportunities getting less crazy like that. Uh, but you're also seeing more stories of people who did this successfully. Uh, like yeah. people hear about Alameda and like be like, oh, like, like this is like a legitimate path maybe. Uh, and yeah, so we get more people who are hitting us up uh, like either to come work for us. Uh, like, as I said, like our trading team has gotten a lot bigger and it's basically all been from that exact interaction. Um, or yeah, like I'll see other people who are trying to do something similar to what we did, uh, and yeah, like ask for some tips or whatever. Uh, I 
don't exactly give any <laughs> give any information uh, that I don't say publicly to them. Uh, but I think I'm pretty open publicly in general. So, so I know you said that like it's gotten easier in terms, and I'm assuming a lot of that is you know one futures platform versus another, one spot platform versus another. But is this advent of all the uh, so much trading happening on chain and then like multi chain? Like you could have. Ave perps, Ave futures, Ave spot on centralized exchanges, Ave on Uniswap, Ave on Sushi, Ave on Polygon. Like, is that opening up that opportunity again because you have so many places to to re arbitrage? Uh, yeah, it it definitely is. Uh, I think the uh, like so I think that uh, the kinds of things you're describing uh, definitely introduce these kinds of opportunities. Uh, the life cycle of them is shorter now. Uh, like now, like a lot of firms like Alameda, like uh, like like you know the jumps of the world uh, are set up on a lot of these platforms. Uh, and when uh, like when when a new platform pops up, like oh, it's like usually pretty similar to one that already existed. So like we can probably like ask one of our devs to like set us up on it. It'll take a couple days. Uh, or uh, like when there's a new product uh, and we're already on the platform, like that's even faster. We can just sort of like add it to our models, uh, and that'll take like an hour. Uh, and since we're already like set up to like automatically trade these arms uh we can just sort of like be doing it within an hour or a day or something uh and yeah so they definitely like these things will pop up more uh and especially on the platforms that are like harder to automate uh like you're trading on or that people haven't uh they can persist for a while uh but for the most part the uh the thing will pop up and then like it'll get closed within a day yeah i saw the other day the uh usdt on avalanche was trading at like 85 cents or something yeah yeah yeah. and i was just like well that's an easy 15 percent over and over and over again but i'm far too lazy i'll just like ape joe which is already 10x for someone else instead (laughs) yeah i mean yeah you can make 15 percent with that or you can buy a pudgy penguin or something (laughs) i I picked the penguins yeah uh but yeah uh the like what you're describing the 15 percent arb in tether uh that uh yeah, that, that's the kind of thing that, like, oh, if we notice that it happened uh, and we're not set up on a platform, we'll, like, strongly consider getting set up on the platform uh, if we think that it's uh, likely to happen ever again. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Does that mean you just got loads of resting bids on Kraken all the time because they always get the, like, 90% <laughs> nuke candle for no reason out of nowhere? <laughs> it goes back yeah, to normal. Uh, yeah, the... Like this is like a decent, uh, like in general, like a, a decent thing to be doing with capital. Uh, sometimes, uh, like I think it's a little less obvious than some people think, uh, just because like, uh, like I talked about before, like our process for like, oh, how do we decide what to do with capital? Uh, one option is like put like a like a bid ten percent down on this book that sometimes gets super out of line, uh, and. <laughs> Uh, like yes, you make ten percent like occasionally uh, when that happens. But like, let's say it only happens once a year, uh, mm-hmm. like that, like that probably loses uh, in terms of like how much could we be making on this capital uh, doing something else? Because that's only ten percent APY. Um, yeah. Like, uh, like some of them are going to be good, some of them are going to be bad, depending on like how often we think it'll happen. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a good thing to do uh, in many cases. <laughs> I want to switch up a bit and talk about um, talk about future and potential future scenarios and how you, yep. you see them. We, you know, you spoke a little bit already about um, the future. You don't think fifty k will be like meaningful resistance again, and um, you're, you're you don't think ETH is going to go five hundred. Um, <laughs> but you could see a future where there's new highs, and you could also see a future where um, there's just a bunch of crab market for um, for a while. Um, what I want to ask is a little bit more nuanced because over, I think this year, actually, um, I don't want to be the guy that says this time it's different, but over this year, you've seen a 
an evolution of narrative from um, institutions will buy Bitcoin and only buy Bitcoin into institutions are trading Polkadot on Coinbase Pro <laughs> or whatever. Um, and uh, in previous cycles, there's been these gigantic Bitcoin dominance runs where, you know, early in the cycle, you have a bunch of shit coins pump and then you have a big Bitcoin dominance run and then you have an exit pump on all the altcoins. I think it happened in 2013 and similar again in 2017. Um, and you have this new um, cycle that we're living through now where, you know, you had a Bitcoin dominance run to start it off. And in December of 2020, people were saying maybe shitcoins will never pump again. <laughs> I remember Brad Mills said this, they're never pumping again. It's over. Um, and then ever, ever since then, you've had sort of a nonstop like a mega pump where every time you wanted to buy, I don't know, like Bitcoin or Ethereum, it was probably just better to buy Solana. Um, and it was probably better to just continually go down CoinGecko and go into like the depths of degeneracy, I guess. Um, do you think that um, like, uh, I guess institutions figuring out that it takes less money to move lower market cap shit, even if it's like kind of dog shit detached from reality and vaporware, not a real product or whatever. Um, do you think that means the Bitcoin Dom can't run again? Or do you think it actually maybe reinforces the Bitcoin Dom run because loads of people are allocated to trash and they might be like a return to value? Uh, yeah. Uh, like, I have an unsatisfying answer, which is that both are plausible. Uh, like, <laughs> uh, at least short term, I think both are both are pretty plausible. Um, like, yeah, like it's a good point that uh, like with a lower market cap coin, uh, like a lower liquidity coin, uh, it does take like less inflows to move to like move the price like the same amount uh, in like some of these shit coins uh, versus like Bitcoin or like some, anything that's more major. Um, and uh, like. Yeah, like, if that, like, keeps happening for, like, an extended period of time, like, I do think that, like, more funds will, like, sort of feel like they should be allocating into this. Um, this can't go on forever, though, uh, insofar as, like, like this, like, in a supply and demand, uh, like, like from a supply and demand uh, point of view, uh, like, there is, like, limited supply to some extent. Uh, and, like, at some point, the price of, uh, the price increases are going to become sort of, like, uh, like sort of out of out of hand, I guess. Uh, uh, this is the kind of thing that you'll see uh, when it, it's kind of the same effect that you see uh, when like some there's some like altcoin that has like a ton of liquidations happening. Uh, so like if you remember uh, in January with like uh, the, the Doge price movements, a lot of that was very inorganic. Uh, a lot of that was driven because like uh, like it started at five cents, it got to like forty cents. And now, like, every short position that's ever been put on is going to get liquidated. Uh, and no one was really trying to buy it up to 75 cents. That was, like, not something that was organic at all. Uh, but, like, it, it was driven there. Uh, and uh, even without, like, liquidations in these products, uh, you can still see the same kind of effect uh, where uh, as, like, there's, like, maybe, like, a, some sort of liquidity vacuum that happens uh, for uh, for a different reason. And that reason can definitely be uh, that, like, you're sort, you're sort of just running out of people who are willing to sell their coins. Uh, and... Like that—that's the kind of thing that like no legitimate fund is going to be interested in. I think at some point. Um, uh, on the other hand, uh, uh, like uh, to the extent that like there, th this ever does stall out, like a lot of these a lot of these institutions uh, have uh, like goals of like closing their positions at some point, uh, and uh, the liquidity, the lack of liquidity, like can uh, just as easily happen on the other side, uh, and so at some point, like. 
uh, to the extent that low liquidity is helping drive some of these uh, really intense price movements, uh, they can go the other way too, and they sort of have to uh, if people ever like close on mass, uh, which again they very much might. Uh, and some like some funds have requirements too, like some funds need to close out their positions by end of year or something. Uh, and uh, if institutions are like putting on big positions in, the, in these coins, like that could happen. Um, and so, yeah, I could definitely see either happening. Uh, I don't have a strong physic, uh, prediction short term for which will happen. Uh, I do expect that at some point that this has to get undone to some extent. Uh, but like whether that happens like 5x from here or not, uh, I don't know. So it seems like you're a pretty big believer in that calendar-based seasonality, at least, like where you know somebody might have to close by the end of the year or have tax implications. Let's just, let just go talk about taxes. I just did. Just did. Shit, I uh, knew you were going to talk about taxes. Well, that was a big part of why I felt like uh, alts were going to wait until January is because I felt like so many people wanted to hold on to that. I mean, Bitcoin went from 10K to 30K in, what, three months? Um, So, like, why realize that tax gain when you are going to owe the taxes much sooner if you could wait until January? So that was part of my (laughs) thesis in that. And it could have just been I got lucky uh, and my thesis was incorrect, but... Uh, it sounds like you think, at least from a fun perspective, uh, you believe that that calendar seasonality is important. Uh, possibly, uh, it's, it really just depends on uh, what fraction of liquid of like uh, volume uh, we expect to be driven uh, by this kind of thing, uh, and like this can be like a per like underlying uh, like a per underlying fraction as well uh, that can matter. Uh, it like like if like if we pretend, for instance, that we know that like half of all uh, half of all long-term positions that have been put on in the past year uh, are going to get, like, need to get reversed for, like, some some reason that we can predict, uh, then, like, yeah, you can predict that there will be reversion of the net, like, whatever the net flows were over that year. Um, uh, like, half is obvious, half feels like an obviously crazy number to me. Um, but, like, if we can predict that, like, uh, like, maybe, like, maybe there exists some coin uh, that uh, has, that like a lot of the net flows can be explained by this one fund who got super long this coin, and we know the, the rules of this fund are that they're going to have to close it for some reason. Uh, then like yeah, that's like a legitimate reason to put a, put a trade on, uh, and uh, like it's the kind of thing that uh, like I do try and think about. Um, I I think that it's like uh, like going forward, I would be surprised uh, if there were like if this effect existed uh, in a big way for some of the bigger coins. Uh, but I, I do think it's possible that it can exist for uh, sm- for like lower liquidity coins. I tend to think it's going to be a big impact on the NFT market next year as people uh, have sold NFTs but reinvested it. That it's going to cause a liquidity crunch for taxes. Uh, it could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely could. Because their net worth is going to still be in NFTs, but they're going to have like a seven-figure tax bill that they can't pay because all their right. Ethereum is like in pudgies. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the, yeah like there, the there definitely could be like a. Yeah, I could see this. Uh, it's the same thing that happens like with the price of right. The, the price is right prizes. <laughs> um, if if we if we do sorry after you mate. I, I was going to roll into one of Kobe's favorite subjects, which is Ethereum and Ethereum based dominance. And I'm curious how y'all <laughs> approach like protocol level news. Uh, so EIP 1559, I think 100,000 ETH have burned thus far. Uh, obviously a significant change on supply and demand uh, for Ethereum and even more so as, um, you know, proof of work phases out. Does that adjust the way you uh picture a large project like ethereum or do you think most of that gets priced in pretty efficiently uh yeah so i definitely don't think the crypto market uh, does anything especially efficiently <laughs> uh, <laughs> like uh 
like this is the kind of thing where uh like that the conventional wisdom for like the kind like like big events in a coin like uh and that can be like anything it can be the bitcoin happening it can be like a bitcoin upgrade it can be like a big fork uh is to like buy into uh like just buy uh because like it's going to be good uh it almost doesn't matter if there's like some fundamental reason that it should be good or bad uh like for the price uh like obviously like uh with uh like with this uh, ether upgrade uh the like it, it's going to increase burn like uh, or like it has increased burns and like so uh, uh even before the burns uh like even before that burn happens, uh, you can see people be like, "Oh, like, uh, like we should buy into this." Uh, and I think that's that's the kind of thing that does not happen uh, efficiently. Uh, like uh, Ether rallied like in a very inefficient way. I think given that people knew about this, uh, uh, get like given that it did rally quite a bit and already sort of has rallied quite a bit. Uh, I do think that uh, the impact from like like further burning uh, of the tokens uh, is kind of. Uh, like pretty plausibly priced in uh, at the very least. Uh, if you sort of look at how it's over, like what its performance has been versus the, the entire market uh, over like a pretty long period of time, uh, like it's plausible that it's been priced in, but it's also plausible that uh, the price impact is from something else. Uh, it's kind of hard to say. Uh, so yeah, I would believe that uh, Ether is like basically fair versus the market from this perspective. Uh, I'd also believe that it's uh, not been efficiently priced in. Uh, it's, it's kind of hard to tell. I uh, like and appreciate that you're saying, you know, it's this is plausible and this is plausible. And I'm going to ask you a question that is not really for the, um, not really for the audience or the viewers. I'm not trying to be a good host. This is just a personal question because <laughs> yep. I think that I was a better crypto trader five years ago when I didn't really consider every single possible scenario, and instead I was just like. I've got three scenarios in my head <laughs> and they're all this. And now I often find myself paralyzed by thinking about every single um, potential scenario. So like you say, it's plausible that this could happen. It's also plausible that this could happen. And I hold all of them in my head and I try and give them a weighting and then I try and figure out the um, uh, like loss or gain of like each potential scenario to try and figure out which one's best to do. But I find it was a little, I, I think it was actually easier when I was just like, fuck it, there's two things that can happen. It's up or down. <laughs> I think it's going to go up. Yep. Um, how do you overcome that um, that sort of uh, decision paralysis from maybe overanalyzing or considering uh, every possibility and thinking through things that may be just way too fringe um, and... Um, or is it just that, like, if you're in paralysis, you're in paralysis, and you go, it means there's no good answer. It means there's nothing that's giving me the uh, uh, the instinct. All uh, right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I guess uh, I would say the way I overcome this is by, uh, like, if, if I sort of, like, believe that I have, like, a good framework uh, for, uh, A, understanding the entire, like, uh, uh, like possibility space of, like, what could happen, uh, B, uh, understanding, like, uh, how each of those possibilities translates to, uh, translates to like oh like what uh, like price movements if we're talking about that or like really just any like uh, mapping of the possibilities to like how much money I'll make given a given de- like a given decision that I might make uh, and uh, see what the probability of each possibility is uh, then in theory uh, I should never actually be in a spot where I like can't make a decision because those three things in concert. Uh, will give me, uh, like, a complete picture of what the expected value of every possible decision is. And obviously, like, this isn't the kind of thing that you can, like, ever know perfectly. Uh, like, 
uh, the crypto markets are so idiosyncratic that we can't even really run like great studies on most of these things. Um, and yeah, so a lot of this is going to be based on intuition. Uh, uh, I've come to a point where I feel like pretty good about my intuition for like these probability distributions, uh, understanding like how various th- like various events will impact prices. Uh, and so I feel like pretty good where like if I like come up with some distribution uh, and uh, like set about set of like m- amounts of money I'll make uh, and it like points me really clearly in one direction or the other. Uh, I like feel pretty good that I'm not wrong enough that like I'm probably at least directionally correct. Um, yeah. uh, if it's like really close to zero uh, after I've done all this, then, then like again, I feel pretty. I, I like I feel good enough about like my ability to come up with these numbers that like if it's close to zero, like probably doesn't matter either way. Uh, yeah. Like pro- probably I'm not like wrong enough that I'm like super that like I'm really wrong that it, 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 it in fact does matter quite strongly. Um, yeah, so I, t- I tend not to end up in these spots, or when I do, I feel good that it doesn't matter what I do. Stack Fair enough. asked a really good question around the same kind of process. Let's say you are wrong, and you say, look, I'm going to buy every Bitcoin I can under $30,000, and then you know we turbo nuke, and at some point, do you make a decision, hey, I'm just a Bitcoin bag holder, but I just have a <laughs> billion dollars worth of Bitcoin or however much money y'all vacuum up, uh, or however much y'all vacuum up there. Um, or do you say like we have to unwind this at X price or something? And how do you yep. how do you go about that process? So I believe the term is slurp the dipperino. Uh, oh God! <laughs> and, uh, oh God! That's my least favorite fucking yeah, yeah, TV. Yeah. Oh God! It, it's, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, the uh, we tend. So in general, uh, the way we think about decisions, uh, this all the time, uh, is that like uh, whatever has already happened in the past, like it ha- like happened, we can't change it. Uh, now we have this position, uh, like sort of regardless of uh, whether it goes well or it doesn't. Uh, and like let's say we like yeah we bought a bunch of thirty k and it like dips all the way down to twenty. Uh, like at every point, uh, we're going to be trying to make the the highest EV decision. Uh, and if we like, be- if we like become convinced that, oh, like we're in the middle of this, like this liquidation cascade, uh, it's going to keep selling off, uh, even though we're really long, uh, like we might just have to be selling, uh, and like, sort of like, yeah, like when we pee in all the trades from two days ago, they're going to be bad. Uh, but, um, like that, that sort of doesn't matter. We can't change that. Uh, we can only change our PL going forward. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how we always think. Uh, we're never like we never get overly caught up in, in the in like like mistakes that we've made if, if you want to call them mistakes because uh, it's like it, again it's like not clear that even when you lose money you made a mistake uh, often in trading uh we're looking for like the coin flips that are 53 47 uh and like you lose those 47 percent of the time uh but yeah so like we're always trying to make the, the right decision going forward uh like in general when we put on a position like yeah we have to close it at some point uh but we never have like a, a like we're fucked if we if we if it goes down to 18 so we've got to sell 20 uh that's uh we're lucky enough to have a strong enough capital base uh that that is not a problem for us uh, and then you, you said you're, you're looking for those 53 you know 47 bets do you ever find yourself uh hitting the 47 so many times in a row that you start to doubt yourself and you put yourself on a bit of till and then you can't make a decision or you you, you trade worse because of it yeah, I I used to get tilted really badly um, when I was playing poker. 
Uh, and fortunately, uh, I've like, and this was like during college and like uh, in my first few years uh, of working after college. Um, and uh, I sort of got a lot better at not tilting just from playing a lot more poker. Um, and yeah, so fortunately, I've, I've sort of uh, got got a, a lot of the like propensity for like tilting at uh, when I uh, when like sort of things don't go my way uh, out of my system. Uh, to the point where, like, yeah, now I really don't tell very much, uh, almost ever. Uh, it's happened, like, a few times uh, in an extreme way uh, in the past three years, I think. Uh, and, yeah, when it happens, I'll, like, take a walk or something. Uh, and then, yeah, like, usually I'll just, like, sort of... I, I, I'm just pretty... I, I think I'm pretty good at this, uh, at, like, not tilting very strongly. Um, you just yeah, take you a walk. Of- Ledger went and had a pedicure today because he was so tilted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How how was it? Oh, I look great. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah, yeah. oh god that's compelling oh, content <laughs> do that for messy he loves feet oh um, god <laughs> so do you make like impulsive purchases whenever you're tilting or like what's your outlet uh incidentally uh, that's actually a great question uh yes <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like uh, this, this watch. I uh, I quite literally don't remember buying this watch. Uh, can you? <laughs> like, what? Was it like a, it was like a fugue state or something. Like I don't remember buying it because uh, our, our 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 Hong Kong office is in the same building as a mall. Uh, which, yeah, I, I guess I bought this watch one day uh, when I was. Are you uh, doxing like a big drug problem, mate? Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's chill. It was just uh, the blood pressure, man. Just. <laughs> Super tilted. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I sometimes uh, will make a like I'll like buy uh, just like a bracelet or something, you know. <laughs> awesome. So it's just material things. You get tilted, and then you just go spend it. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, um, on the which is on the... a net win, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're putting money into the economy. It makes me feel better to the point where I can more than make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> what's the um if you don't mind answering what's the most extravagant um and what people might refer to as stupid purchase that you've made in your entire life uh, it's probably the watch <laughs> <laughs> i know I, I haven't i haven't uh I, i'm really not very about uh these like like buying expensive things uh, for the most part I, I i would never do it if uh, in like a good state of mind <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what we've got to do, Ledger, is we've got we've got to get Sue, the only person who's got enough money, we've got to get Sue to dump on Alameda, and then we've got to open a store in this mall, which is like, come in, sir, come in, sir, we've got all these things, and then we can just scam Sam and we're back. We've made it all back in one trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, That's for me. I, th- I, I believe you'll have more market impact than you will make from doing that. But. <laughs> um, um, do you... Uh, kind of on the note of like whatever is plus ev let's take this same scenario from earlier it goes below thirty thousand, and let's say y'all went i don't know what you're like how you collateralize and whatever let's say you got to like a 1x position you know alameda Mm -hmm. was fully long if it goes lower or it gets to a point where you're like there's no way in hell this is it uh let's say like 4k march 2020 type of scenario are you willing to leverage the fund beyond 1x or is it do y'all try to like stay uh unlevered for the like for the most part uh yeah we 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 would never get to anything close to that uh for the most part um that uh uh yeah like uh 
like when I say that we have uh, like a capital base that like lets us make mistakes and not have to like be petrified of it going wrong. Uh, like I, I mean that in the context of like, oh, like we we are risking literally every dollar we, we have. Uh, it would be kind of a challenge to anyway. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're not. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we don't do things like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, part, part of it is that like, oh, like that, like yes, realistic risk, risk limits do have to exist at some point because, uh, like, even if we're putting on a really high EV trade in the short term, uh, like we can't ever risk not existing anymore because our EV in the future is just so high uh, that like ceasing to exist is like very very bad. Uh, even from just like an EV EV perspective, uh, ignoring that like I kind of like having a job. Um, uh, but and but also uh, it's like pretty rare that like. Uh, we do want to like have like m- maximum possible bullets uh, for the days you're describing, uh, where like oh like it falls to 4K. This is the best thing that, that could ever happen uh, from the perspective of like making money like buying right now. Um, and uh, we want to like a-, a lot of the things we do uh, like day to day are optimizing for like we want to make sure we can do everything we want to on days like that. Uh, and part of that is not betting the farm uh, on like less extreme days. Yeah, like when you were talking about options earlier, I've been kind of stunned by large firms that seem to get uh, put themselves in these positions. Like there was the rogue wave guy and the oil thing. Um, and then the uh, Melvin Capital situation with the meme stocks, like they put themselves in a position where they could get rolled over. And then it seemed like that was the inevitable outcome was for them to get rolled over. Uh and it, it seems like particularly troublesome in the in the options market. And you mentioned that sometimes those players tend to be the ones that go unhedged into the with those positioning uh, with those positions, like especially being a net seller of, of options. Um, do y'all play in that market? Do y'all make options markets? Uh, or, or but you just go fully hedged or what? Uh, yeah, we make options markets. Uh, like like I sort of mentioned earlier, uh, options sort of aren't a hugely important part of the crypto trading space uh, to the point where uh, it's not like uh, we haven't like been in a spot where we're putting on a big enough position where we like have to like think really hard about like, oh, do we hedge this? Like there's like huge P&L implications. Right. Uh, sort of hasn't happened uh, in theory. Uh, we would be quite like we would just sort of be quite hesitant to ever put on a position that could cause us to have an extreme loss, especially relative to our capital base. Uh, and yeah, like whether that means sort of just not putting the trade on uh, or like making sure it's possible to hedge it and doing so. Uh, like, yeah, that's and the kind of step. On the opposite side of that, do your systems pick up where you think those opportunities exist? Like you talked about liquidations in Doge in futures markets. You could see the same thing, whether it's futures or, or options, where like you're like, oh, man, these people are upside down. Like they have to buy. They have to be a buyer if this number goes up. Uh, yeah, uh, that's the kind of thing that we are looking for uh, in general. Uh, like it's sort of anything. Uh, yeah, like I said, we're just trying like we're trying to identify the best spots all the time uh, and yeah, if like if we identify something like some like quirk of like some the way that the market structure works uh, for something, uh, like we're gonna try and do the plus EV thing, uh, and yeah, sometimes it's something like that. I want to take a moment to talk directly to our audience. Um, this is a serious message. Uh, Sam's just said that he never puts himself in a position where he could lose a percentage of the fund that would feel significant versus like maximum amount of capital. And you never like put leverage above like one X of the fund. Um, Every single time we have a guest that 
comes on, they've done well in trading, they have a good track record and people, you know, look at them for market clout and stuff. So they always say very similar thing. Um, and I think a bunch of people watching are probably often 10x leveraged. Um, my mate Russell is always like at 25x leveraged, um, despite my uh, request for him to dial it down a little bit. Um, and I think their mindset is always, well, I don't have billions of dollars to play with. So uh, if I had billions, then I wouldn't leverage 10x, obviously, but I need to get to here. And I think it is a mistake that they always make. Um, dialing up the leverage with a smaller pool of capital when they could just take it a little bit uh, slower and play it safe. If you're saying that actual professionals who do this as a job and have made successful careers don't do it, then you shouldn't do it in between working at your real job and uh, like sleeping and taking a shit. Like you should, you should chill. That's my serious message from our serious financial podcast. As an, Um, as a very quick addendum to that, like, you can even do that being, you know, middle IQ like myself and like relatively unlevered your entire trading history. You know, like I've done okay in crypto despite never being the smartest guy in the room. And like, I'm, I'm like never levered. Uh, Have you ever been the smartest guy in the room? No. (laughs) (laughs) What about with your kids? They're like two. My my oldest son literally knows directions around town better than I do. Like he's in a booster seat <laughs> in the back seat, and he's like, "Why did you go left?" <laughs> oh, amazing, amazing. I thought, again to our viewers that get upset when I diss Ledger. That was a friendly dig because I like him and he's my mate, and it's a show of affection. I'm not saying that he's dumb. It's a joke. Um, <laughs> back to our serious financial podcast now. Thank you for that interlude. Um, so uh, I want to talk um, a a little bit about uh, how you would approach a bear market. So I actually also want to talk a little bit about ETH, DeFi, and DeFi in general. It's been in a bear market for basically like eighteen months. But um, uh, first, I want to talk about it. You know, if things start turning down, we um, end up in a bear market. We end up, you know, volumes drying up in DeFi. NFT liquidity is drops to zero. Um, do you like take a holiday <laughs> or are you like, you love it. You're just, it's just another like math function to figure out the, um, the optimal solution for. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I mean like we've, uh, I've, I've been trading, uh, during periods uh, where like crypto was generally going down, uh, like I, last year, like there, there were periods in like 2018, 2019 where this was going on. Um, and, uh, yeah. So this is something that, uh, like I don't, view as like as, like fundamentally very different from uh from what's been going on in the past like year or whatever uh like you can still make the same kinds of bets uh as as you might make in a like when things tend to be going up um like like the, the short-term bets are like kind of analogous like if uh if i'm predicting that like uh, when like when Bitcoin is near a local maximum, uh, it's plus EV to buy it uh, because like if there's liquidations, uh, they're probably going to be liquidating to buy, and that makes the buy like buying asymmetric with with selling. Uh, the same can be true at local minimum at a local minimum. Uh, and again, like I'm talking about like short term trading, uh, it can be like short term good to get like shorter into a situation like that. Um, uh, to the extent that like I have any kind of long term opinion about what's going on, uh, like a bear market can actually be good uh, if if my long term opinion is that like crypto is like going to like be whatever in like ten years, uh, 
then yeah, it can actually be like looking for like uh, at signs of it ending uh, because like that's sort of another thing we're always trying to do uh, is put on positions uh, like at the best possible time. Uh, I do think that we like like I don't really know what we're how we're defining the word bear market or bull market or whatever. But I like we were in like a period where the market was falling, uh, like between sixty five and thirty, uh, and uh, like identifying the end of that uh, was like a really important thing that I was trying to do. Like like, and that was like the sort of like my focus all the time was like trying to identify that. Uh, that's also what I'm trying to do in a bull market: try to identify when it's going to end. Uh, like uh, like at least in the short term. Like because like like regardless of what happens, like on a very macro scale, long really long term, like the pro- like. It, uh, there's always periods where it's going up and going down and we're trying to maximize uh, like our trading during those um, and so yeah like uh, like fundamentally uh, like when the, if the market's trending down like nothing's going to change about what Alameda is doing uh, but uh, some of the trades that we're, like I talk about a lot like might be flipped uh, and I might be trying to like identify the correct spot to try and buy it at some point um, uh, for what it's worth I do think that it's unlikely that the kind of thing you're, you described specifically ends up happening where like oh like volumes dry up like not like all this stuff dies completely uh, I think we sort of like uh, like I, I think crypto's kind of like uh, passed some kind of bar uh, where like some of the stuff's not going away the US government cares about it now uh, like like there's an, there's an extent to which like this stuff's just going to exist kind of just as part of the uh the like the trading infrastructure for like a long time i think uh like yes i think that uh nfts uh, like have some potential to like die out in some way but they're not going away for for good uh defi like yes like the the excitement where every defi project like sort of like had like billion dollar valuation that can end uh but uh, like a lot of the technology that's uh, that's uh, sort of popped up uh, in the DeFi space is like super exciting, and I think there's no reason to expect that uh, it will play no part uh, in uh, in like the sort of global financial ecosystem going forward. Um, yeah, so I, I think that uh, like uh, like markets will have periods where they're going up and down. Uh, Alameda will sort of be doing the same thing all the time, uh, but I don't think we're going to see March 2020 prices ever again. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. So you're, you're kind of describing some hybrid of the super cycle versus um, the markets will evolve, but there will always be enough volume and opportunity to be doing something and, and, and profiting at any sort of period of time. It's not going to get, you know, the depths of 2018 sideways, no volume. Everyone just wants to, like, go to the bed. <laughs> I'd be quite surprised. Yeah. Like, and if you think about it, like before, like in the period before that, yes, prices went up, but like volumes didn't really like volumes were like locally up a little bit but like we like they've sort of been at these like uh like like tons of major platforms have over a billion dollars a day in volume that was just not true back then and, and it's sort of uh it's been sustained during like various kinds of price uh like price action paradigms uh, in the past year uh, and so yeah i just don't think that there's much potential for that to die at least not Unless, like, something super extreme happens. Like, the U.S. comes out really strongly against crypto. Uh, like, a bunch of major Asian countries uh, try and regulate against it in a way that they really haven't yet. Um, so, like, these things are, like, have an outside chance of happening. I see no reason to expect them, though. That makes sense. So, in that sideways, like, kind of less exciting market, you just have less office parties, but everything else stays basically the same. Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. 
All right. Um, and if, like, it all did go to zero, you accidentally levered up the fund 5x and you nuked it all and it all went away, what would you do instead? Because, like, maybe you got an industry-wide ban because you were the guy that was, like, tune up the leverage. <laughs> Full Alex Weiss, and you were like, I'm just dialing it up, mate. Hello, um, in the chat, what would you be doing instead? Oh, Alex in the chat. Hey, mate, how you doing? Um, yeah, what would you be doing instead? What would you be doing with your time? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, at, sort of at heart, uh, the things that I like to do are, like, play games, play interesting games. Uh, I think that the crypto trading the crypto markets uh, is the most interesting game I have ever even heard of. Uh, so, like, on some level, that's what drives, like, the passion that I have for doing all this stuff, uh, is, like, trying to get better at, like, playing this game. Uh, so, like, I'd probably do something like that. Like, sports betting is, like, a fun thing. Uh, it kind of taps into the same, uh, the same kind of, uh, like, brain space, I guess. Um, like playing like various other games like on a very competitive level is something that I like do in my free time and also like would focus on more if I weren't doing this. Uh, but uh, yeah, like even if I weren't doing like doing crypto trading in this exact setup that I am right now, uh, like with Alameda or whatever, I would still kind of just want to be doing crypto trading. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> uh, it's like it's the most interesting thing that I have ever done, and I don't want to stop. <laughs> what if all right? What if the new rules of my hypothetical question is you're not allowed to do any work? You're not allowed to make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can yeah, do whatever you want, but you can't make any money. I'll probably like play Magic the Gathering or something. There's not very much. Money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you still got to play a game. You still got to win somehow. Yeah, yeah. Last I time we like... talked, last time we talked, uh, you had just published a crossword puzzle in the New York Times, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, what uh, crossword that's... puzzles? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's more of a hobby. Uh, it's uh, I would pro- I would probably focus on that if I weren't working so much. Uh, but yeah, that's. That's fun. <laughs> Can anyone in the chat get me a copy of this? I want a real physical copy. I'm going to scan it and mint it as an NFT. I'm going to make so much money off this. <laughs> oh, the New York Times will come for you pretty hard if you try and do that. <laughs> I'd, I'll do it from an anonymous address and just claim that someone watched this episode and then took my idea and ran with it. Is that similar um, to, the, uh, to the rock story with your friend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't me, mate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, all right. Um, so I want to give chat a chance to ask some questions because we've been streaming for about 90 minutes and I keep seeing loads of questions, but I, I've, um, I won't read in any of them really. So if you're in chat and you ever wanted to ask Almeida, um, any questions, now is your opportunity. I'm continuing to talk because I know there's a delay between us. I saw somebody um, ask earlier if you could please get out of their liquidity pools. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> If the APY weren't so good, then maybe. But if you see if you see Alameda leave the pool, is it like a signal that I should also be leaving the pool? It's like wait, they've found all this shit and it's about to the APY is about to go down. All right, poker background. Did you ever play professionally, or was it always just for fun? It was mostly just for fun. So Sig. Uh, Susquehanna International Group uh, is the uh, quant trading firm that I worked for out of college, uh, and they use poker as a trade, like a tool to like teach people about trading uh, when they hire them. Uh, there's a bunch of analogs just in terms of like thinking probabilistically, uh, like getting used to the kind of tilts that I talked about before, uh, like all these things. Uh, and so yeah, like during your first like six months or whatever at Sig, uh, you'll spend like three or four hours a day playing poker uh, at work. Uh, and so in that way, I did play it professionally, uh, but uh, it was, that wasn't like obviously what people mean when they say that. Uh, so I've never played professionally. Uh, it's it's something cool that training exercise, though. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I, it's actually w- why I uh, ended up working there uh, was because uh, I thought that sounded fun. Um, 
and uh, yeah, so and I'll, I'll like I've played online a bit, uh, and like I've like used to go to casinos when I lived sort of near casinos. Um, Imagine but, running a casino and this kid always comes in and absolutely cleans you out, and then like <laughs> ten years later you're watching a podcast about crypto because you've just bought a dog coin, and he's saying he's dumped on you again. <laughs> Fuck, that's the kid. He's fucking beat me again. <laughs> well, it turns out that it turns out that if you uh, if you're like at a casino and they suspect that you were counting cards, they will ban you for life. <laughs> Yeah. Um, like when you're playing Blackjack. Uh, and so there are casinos that I'm banned from, it turns out. <laughs> he just keeps winning. Let's get this kid out I'm counting cards. I'm just really smart. <laughs> uh, I saw a question from someone called Kin or Kim. I've lost it now. But the question basically went, I've seen Alameda ape like billions into some like yield farms and stuff. What is the due diligence process beforehand? Is it like number is big, ape? Or is it like, do you have got a team of developers who are like, all right, this is on Polygon. Like what's the risk of, you know, porting our money to Polygon, what's the risk? Is the contract audited? Or is it just like all in? Let's figure it out later. Right. Uh, so there's a few things there. Uh, so one, uh, like, so every time we, like, uh, do anything, uh, we're, uh, like, yeah, we calculate what we think the expected value is. Uh, part, like, obviously a big part of the expected value of, like, putting money on one of these platforms is, like, oh, what's the API, APY we're generating directly? Uh, but another part is, like, what are the pro- what's the probability that, like, this gets rugged and we lose all our, we lose all the money we're putting here, uh, and uh, yeah. So like we uh, we basically like try and estimate what the, what that probability is and sort of discount the what we're making uh, by like oh like this pro- and like there's this probability that we lose lose everything, uh, and so like one big thing that we can do uh, in order to try and like increase our expected value in like doing these things uh, is. Uh, have like someone who's like very good at understanding the tech side of everything which we do have we have like a great dev team who uh, have like spent time trying to learn about like how to evaluate these things and we've hired people who are like pretty good at this um and yeah so a big thing we can do to increase our expected value is uh spend time evaluating the platform uh and like become more confident that it's good or like maybe find some reason to think that it might be bad uh and uh yeah so like uh, that's basically just how we do the ev calculation uh, and so we're generally like okay with like some small risk uh, of getting rugged, I guess. Uh, just because like, what's the most you've been to... rugged for at Alameda? Yeah, we, we tend to be making. What would you say? What's the most Alameda's been rugged for? Uh, we've actually, <laughs> uh, I think we've high rolled quite a bit here. We've never had a substantial uh, loss from this, uh, which is not not what we expected. Uh, we we uh, we would have expected to have had one major one major problem by now on average, uh, and uh, we've been lucky and not. <laughs> me too mate me too um so respect the flock said you're talking a lot about expected values and probabilities and stuff what do you reckon the probability that bitcoin reaches 100k by the end of the year is why do people care so much about 100k like it's just like a number you know uh, <laughs> uh i would guess uh let me see if i have a good guess for that um what it's currently i guess like 10 percent. uh but i don't know 10% of the chat, I'm not going to lie that, mate. They wanted 99%. <laughs> I know. That. I'm, I'm here to give the people the, the facts, not what they want to hear. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and wait for the comments. So just, I'll just say 10%. 10% with loads of question marks. Well, well like 10%, like, that's like, like, that's like really high, you know? Like, that's, that's like a, a further 2x from here. Like, uh, it's like, in general, globally, it's like pretty strange for like a major asset to double uh, in a really short period of time. That's only like a few months. Uh, and uh, it, like, to the extent that people want Bitcoin and like crypto in general to be treated more seriously uh, as like a, like, as like the government starts accepting it uh, as like traditional institutions start like, 
taking things more seriously. Like assets that like big banks like have on their balance sheets do not double in a few months for the most part. Uh, <laughs> like the, they can uh, like perform they can perform quite well over like long periods, but like they don't like do crazy things like that. And obviously, crypto is still doing like. Like, like, still, like, has, like, various market structure features and, like, idiosyncrasies or whatever uh, that, like, we can still expect it to be, like, like pretty volatile going forward. But I, I would expect that that sort of extreme volatility <laughs> should die down over time. And, yes, I, under, I know I see the graph. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's only $2,000 for the 100000 call. So based on your 10% estimation, <laughs> this is a good trade. Probably. Look, this yeah. is not financial advice. I remember Ledger's bad at maths uh, and most other <laughs> academic subjects. Please do not take this trade and please don't sue us. Uh, we don't even have a company. Um, yeah, underest- underestimating tails is like a pretty big, uh, a pretty big bias that uh, most humans tend to have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, another question. I've sorry, I've forgotten who it was. The chat went too fast. I was laughing at everyone's ten percent. I'm quitting. I'm leaving. <laughs> leaving crypto for good. Comments. Someone said, um, "I don't understand half the shit you're talking about. I'm only 100 IQ. How can I make it in crypto?" Uh, I mean, the sort of uh, it dep- sort of depends what your like what your space of possible strategies is. Uh, I think that like something that almost anyone can do is to sort of try to identify like what the correct things to buy are, uh, like just based on like some kind of fundamentals. Like I think that uh, plenty of people who like there are plenty of people who understand like which NFTs are good to buy better than I do, uh, and I don't think that correlates especially strongly with like like most intelligence metrics. I guess. Uh, uh, so yeah, that, that's the that's the kind of thing that like any really anyone can do uh, if they like sort of have a knack for it. Uh, the same is true more generally for all kinds of all kinds of like longer term investment. Uh, I do think it's like going to become increasingly hard to compete with uh, with sophisticated firms uh, when it comes to the shorter time scale stuff. Like doing arbitrage is like going to become pretty hard for like average people who don't have like a great tech setup to do. I couldn't do that very effectively uh, uh, on my own uh, without like the strong tech setup that I have with our team. Uh, and yeah, so like, it, it, uh, but like the. The sort of more macro, longer-term stuff is like definitely accessible to most people. All right, chat. We got time for one or two more questions, and then Ledger, you can ask the final question. I like that I've given you responsibility for this final question. I got so bored of saying the same question over and over and over again. Okay. Uh, to your point about uh, like finding something that you're good at, I think uh, the different things that you can be good at in crypto are really expanding. Um, I know a guy that uh, shout out Bunchu. Uh, long time crypto guy but knew he was not like a great trader but he was a collector in the real world and like just freaking killed it on nfts this year and i was like hey i actually understand this stuff about like what makes collectible appealing and whatever and yeah. you know he was able to quit his job and go full-time because he made enough money in, in in nfts this year so i mean even if it's not nfts but longer term trade or you know various different things that you can explore yep. like there's multiple ways to to figure it out in the space now yeah crypt- yeah crypto's gotten quite exciting and uh how uh how like non-monolithic it is uh and yeah i agree there's like a ton of uh cool stuff to be doing that like yeah di- different kinds of skill sets can excel at um someone in the chat said do you have an anonymous all account and is it foo <laughs> uh like i guess uh regardless of whether i have one or not my answer would be no so i will say no <laughs> Um, it's, it's the Greg's guy. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that I know who Fu is, uh, so. Uh, yeah, good. PsyOps. PsyOps is definitely Fu then. Oh, I'm not, I'm not aware of Fu. I've never heard that name before ever. Is, it, CMS, is it some kind of, it's not a panda, is it? He's Fu. He's Fu. He's the Fu. CMS team accused me of being CMS dog for a while. Uh, yeah, That's just CMS be. intern. CMS intern is also CMS dog. Why is I he not telling? Is he not he, telling Dan about it? He claims pretty intensely that it is not him. What he like DM'd me? <laughs> Who not am really. I talking to? Uh, he might have conceded at some point. I don't know. <laughs> uh, what NFT? Might, are you hardwood? You could be hardwood. Oh God! People do accuse me of being hardwood all the time. Uh, I think hardwood <laughs> is. Uh, I, I used to think hardwood was funny. I now think he is uh, intensely, intensely lazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he lost his he lost his art yeah he, he had a yeah, moment no, and like, it didn't evolve he didn't evolve he, he, yeah, he, no, he didn't evolve at all he just makes the episode. same joke over and over again yeah <laughs> uh, maybe it'll come back around like you know when you like a song and then you get sick of it and then it comes yeah, back yeah. like two years later <laughs> what's your, um, what's your favorite nft that you've ever seen like from a appeal perspective and could you name it man i don't <laughs> like oh, wait, uh, let me get open up because i need to buy it instantly let's see I think magic cards are basically NFTs. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying parallels? You're bullish parallels? Yeah, but it costs um, yeah, like thousand dollars uh, to play parallels. Yeah, I'm bullish Mount Gox. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, I like that the the Bitcoin that was owned, like you know, because they did the lawsuit in a weird way, where it ended up that uh, Mark owned the Bitcoin and they had to like pay back in dollars, and the Bitcoin went to like be worth billions or something, and Mark was yeah. just a billionaire again. Yeah. Uh, I like that about the Mount Gox story. I, I think there is actually a space that none of these stories get told very well to other people. And like, there's no real resource you can send people to and be like, just watch this. It tells you the entire history of crypto. Like here's a, like a, a series of things. Cause there's so many tales where it's just like, I can't really explain it. It was so long yeah. ago. And like, you need to kind of be there. Um, so I hope yeah, that's I, I, that's like, even I feel like there's a bunch of stuff. I don't think I have a great grasp on. Cause I, like I wasn't around <laughs> in like 2014 or whatever. Uh, I think so, yeah, so this would be a great book. Uh, I think so, like, yeah, Dan from CMS should write this book. somebody did tell me recently i can't remember where i heard this but it was like they had a one of those commemorative coins and it was a million doge on this physical coin so like they (laughs) they hodled doge and then it ended up being worth like multi six figures uh but they still don't want to get rid of it so they just have diamond hands because they don't want to get rid of their physical doge yeah I have a friend who um, had one of those like six years ago, uh, and he sold it like five years ago. Which is oh god, <laughs> that is pain. I mean, look, fair play to him. Like it, it kind of makes sense. Um, all right, and then uh, the final question I got is: How do you see the changes in the Asian crypto market? There was all this like China changes, the mining changes, the leverage bans, which I don't know if they went through or not. Um, how are you seeing that and how are you correcting to all that from a guy called Christopher Wallace, who I don't think is the actual Christopher Wallace? Yeah, so uh, I think there are elements of this uh, which are like uh, almost like very good. Uh, so like uh, the like cracking down on the max leverage that's possible uh, in the crypto markets. I think that's just like great. Uh, like there's, uh, like, like you were mentioning earlier, like, yeah, people in general just sort of shouldn't be using uh, the super high leverage. Uh, like, yeah, one, from a risk management perspective, but, like, two, like, it's just negative EV. Like, if I'm putting 100x lever positions all the time, uh, like, yeah, sometimes I win. Uh, but in general, uh, the like, you get liquidated way too much uh, in the event that, like, your position goes against you even a little bit. Uh, and, and, like, the... 
there's there's, that, there's an asymmetry here too, but it's like in the bad direction uh, where you lose way more than you win uh, because uh, liquidation just costs you a lot, and they liquidate you like a little bit sooner uh, than. Uh, that they like should in uh, EV terms on some level uh, because they sort of have like exchanges have to to keep themselves safe, um, and yeah. So like I think that on some level like some of these uh, measures that various exchanges are taking to like or like various countries even are taking uh, to sort of crack down on the max leverage possible. Uh, I think is, that's just sort of like good, uh, like for customers, also for uh, the, like sort of uh, market like the market in general, uh, like a lot of the short-term volatility uh, that we see in the crypto markets uh, is driven by, uh, like by the market structure, which sort of uh, is like propped up from all the liquidations that happen and the liquidations are propped up by the high leverage. Uh, and I think that it's like kind of hard to argue that, the sh- that all the super short-term volatility is like great for the asset class uh, in general. Uh, it's like good for like traders like me who are good at, uh, capitalizing on it but i think it's bad for like anyone who wants bitcoin to be used as like a currency people like sort of just spend like buy food with or like you know use this like a, re- a real like a real life currency uh it's better if it doesn't have the potential to like go up and down 10 percent in a day on elon musk tweet you know uh and uh so i think that like as uh like as various like, there's there's the various uh, things at play here uh that i think will like sort of over time cut down on this volatility uh I already talked about like the institutional buy-in. I think sort of helps with this, uh, but uh, like having uh, having fewer liquidations possible uh, is going to be good uh, for the market. Uh, and yeah, I think that like some of like I, I'm only kind of answering your question. I think uh, it's because sort of uh, latched onto latched onto a few of the things you said. Uh, but I think yeah, some of the some of the things that uh, like the Asian exchanges are doing, uh, and like some of which are like dictated by what the Asian government wants. Um, are like good some of them are like kind of bad like there's like uh, china sort of like huffs and puffs about banning crypto every now and then uh nothing ever really happens from it uh and it's sort of like crystallizing a little bit that like oh uh, like probably what they actually meant is banning leverage uh which again i think is like not bad and uh, i think there's a second order thing where like it's yes like the thing they're actually doing is like not actually that bad uh but it uh, sort of the signal like they're not there it means they're probably not going to do the really bad thing you know uh so i think it's kind of just good um and yeah like uh, most of the like most of the regulatory news we've gotten out of uh, asia out of the u.s uh, has been like yeah people like kind of take it like kind of badly like oh like you, you can't like you can't touch us like crypto is like like you know like on the blockchain it's, you can't govern it uh but uh like i like obviously there's like some things governments can do and they're sort of signaling that they're not going to do a lot of those things which i think is just like you know i think i think it's been quite good and it, like th- i think that's reflected in the prices uh like crypto's only gone up uh like in a macro sense uh during the, this like few months long period uh where a lot's been happening on this front so only up we should name our podcast somewhat similar to that ledger ledger <laughs> do you <laughs> do you want to ask the final question and see us out yeah, our final thing that we love to know from our guests is just to get words of wisdom, a bit of alpha for the guests that have stuck it out with us for an hour and 45 minutes. What do you have to recommend to them uh, as they move forward in their trading or investing life, something that's going to help them improve their life, uh, improve their trading, their P&L, um, or just make them feel better as a human being? Uh, if you have any, <laughs> bits of, any bits of wisdom or alpha for the guests, we would appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, so we just sort of touched on this, uh, but... I think that in general, uh, both in trading uh, and like sort of as like you're going about like life or whatever, uh, the most important thing that I found to be true uh, is that 
uh, like, yeah, every, like everyone has like some things they're good at, some things they're not good at. Uh, and really like capital, like identifying what those, like the things that you're good at are and just like going nuts on them, uh, has been like the, the, the thing that has served me the best in my life. Uh, so like, like just going back before I was trading, uh, like I sort of realized I was like really good at math uh, early on. And it turns out being really good at math is like, like happens to be quite lucky uh, in ways I didn't understand back then. Uh, just cause like, like, w- like once you're older, there's like, you can really leverage being good at math uh, in some important ways. Uh, but uh, like when I realized I was good at math, uh, like even back when I, when I thought that the outcome there was like, Oh, I can win math competitions. Uh, like I just really <laughs> went crazy for that. Uh, and I like almost to the detriment of like most other skills that I could have been developing in my life. Um, uh, and uh, so, yeah, like, I, and I think that doing that, like, ended up being really good because uh, it, uh, uh, like, the things that you're naturally good at uh, will tend to have the most room to improve uh, in, in, like, in, in ways that can, like, lead you to be really, really good at something uh, in, like, like, you know, like, globally important ways. Uh, and, yeah, so, like, that, that's something that served me, like, quite well in my life, I think. Uh, at, at various points, it was, like, kind of unclear, like, maybe I should have, like, thought more about, like, oh, like, maybe I would have been a good writer if I tried to do that, or, like, good at speaking better or something. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the decision. Uh, and then, yeah, in terms of, like, actually, like, once I got to be trading, uh, like, there's, like, I talked about how Alameda uh, was, like, quite, like, quite small for a while, and people had to be more, gen- like, had to generalize more. Uh over time, like, I've realized that I'm just so much more effective uh, when I, like, don't try and, uh, like, be great at everything that, like, we're, we're doing at Alameda. Uh, I should just be focusing on this, like, this smaller set of things that I'm, like, pretty good at, better than, like, probably most of the people on our team. Uh, and, like, I should let the, the, uh, everyone else on our team be, like, focusing on the things that they're much better at than I, than I am. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like, I think, like, the possibility space uh, in the world is just, like, so wide that... Uh, there's like room to be specializing in these kinds of things. Uh, and like now there's like opportunities popping up like the NFT craze uh, that I don't think Alameda is even very good at. Uh, and like if uh, like if people listening like feel that they're like good at that, that's what they should be focusing on. Especially if you have some kind of, kind of evidence that you're good at it. Uh, and yeah, so I basically think that like identify your edge uh, and like try and blow the edge up uh, because uh, like you're like... Uh, like Alameda's best few spots in the year are so much better than all the other ones that we should just be focus- focusing on all of those uh, and like trying to bet as big as possible when we, when we find them. Uh, and that's something that everyone should do and everyone can do uh, just because everyone has uh, some edge over the world in something. Love it. Sam, thank you so much. Kobe. Thanks so much, mate. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for yeah. watching. Hopefully we didn't giggle too much for you this time. <laughs> See you on Tuesday or Thursday or whenever we remember to do another episode. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate Thank everybody you. being here. Sorry. <laughs> Go to uponly.tv slash FTX. Make a trade there today if you've never done it before. You can lean in and connect your bank, buy a dip if you get one. Dollar cost average out if you're ready to take profits, do some life things, whatever you got to do, you can do it on FTX. Uponly.tv slash FTX. Go there today. Thanks for being here. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>